Good morning, Peter Goffwood. How are you this morning? Hey, Vanessa. Uh, fabulous this glorious Friday morning. Great to be on the air. It Up is. The listener. It is. It it's is. A, a beautiful autumn sunny day. I hope it is the same for you where you are. Clear blue skies here in Hout Bay. Um, absolutely fabulous. Uh, I was hoping to get a little bit more of that sort of rainy, miserable midweek thing we've had. But apparently we've got rain coming the weekend, so which I'm quite, I'm quite keen on. Yeah. Um, it's uh, been a long time coming. As much as I love May we've had, we were in desperate need of some rain and a little bit of gloomy weather, um, which is cool. It's, it's, it's necessary. It's a necessary evil. I, I, I don't like winters that aren't all gloomy and wet and cold, so I'm looking forward to it. I'm so pleased I have a kindred spirit because I feel the same way. <laughs> I, you know, I, I grew up in Johannesburg, and I, and I can think of nothing worse than Johannesburg winters, where it's it's minus five in the morning and it's twenty five degrees at midday, and then minus five in the evening again. It's dry and it's just bone chilling cold. Mm. I prefer the winters where it, it feels like midday. You know, it's overcast and the rain is howling, and the, or the rain is lashing down, the wind's howling. That feels like winter to me. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Now, today I mentioned to you earlier. Today is uh, Jamie Oliver's birthday which is yay <laughs> and um, the naked chef but and but today is also like fish and chips day uh, I've saw oh, yes I know um, one of the most amazing and simple dishes of all time and one of my perennial favorites there's nothing wrong with a good a good a good helping of fish and chips absolutely and i think it's just so ironic that uh, it's sort of all rather Jamie Oliver's birthday has coincided with it maybe it's oh, no. uh, uncanny coincidence that the two coincide it's very 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 true um oops pt there actually quite interesting it's um it i mean uh, fish and chips date back i mean the first the first recorded uh issue of, of fish and chips back goes back in the uk to the 1860s um i mean the first fish and chip shop was in london in something like 1867 so it's it's something that's been around for a very long time but it has interesting origins actually and that it, it was brought to the uk by um jewish immigrants from portugal and spain uh where obviously fried fish um uh, you know obviously is a is a is a, is a, a staple um in in the, in, the, in the jewish sort of culinary firmament and they brought it to the uk where it's now become a national dish the the, the chips came along later but uh, that's certainly where, where fish and chips has its origins. Uh, it's actually quite interesting because just on a side note, um, the whole uh, influence of Jewish cooking in, throughout European food is actually quite interesting. If you think of the, the sort of the French tradition of, of, of duck confit and preserving everything in goose fat, that, that has its origins in Jewish cooking because, you know, traditionally up until that time, everything was preserved in pork fat. And obviously, um, with uh, the, uh, the Jews not being able to partake of pork, they realized that geese and ducks had a similar kind of fat content and started using uh, uh, duck and geese uh, uh, fat in, in all their cooking and, and preservation. And that now is, you know, it's kind of the mainstream in French sort of culinary folklore that has its origins in Jewish food. But that's a, a subject for another day. But fish and chips, it's actually interesting. Fish and chips. It shows you what what um, what it is in the kind of British firmament in terms of in terms of their national cuisine. It's during World War Two. It was the only food that wasn't rationed. Um, all the things that were rationed during World War Two, fish and chips were the only weren't because because the, the British government under Winston Churchill realised that it was 
it was quite a morale booster to have that kind of that kind of familiar food. And if they were to la- if they were to ration limit that, it would it would have a, a detrimental effect on the national morale. So uh, it, 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 it has quite a special place, fish and chips in, uh, in 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 culinary folklore. You know, it's it's not just a simple offering. I think if you, um, although, if, you if we had to take away bryflace, it would have the same effect in South Africa. <laughs> Pretty much, pretty much the same sort of thing. I, I still remember when I was, um, one of the things I went, when I was in, in, in the UK in, in November, we had on the one Friday night, we went for proper fish and chips. Uh, my, I forgot how glorious, and I had haddock, which is something I haven't had in 20 years. Fresh haddock. You know, unfortunately, the haddock you see in shops here is not haddock. It's it's mm. hake. Mm. It's hake that's been smoked and generally brushed with an orange dye to make it look like smoked haddock. But it isn't. Haddock is a very specific breed of fish, and it makes the most glorious fish and chips. And it was just a heavenly bundle of soggy chips and, and mm. this beautiful crisp batter. And, and haddock is just an amazing fish. Although I must admit, you know, predominantly the, 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 fish, in, the fish of choice in South Africa is hake. Uh, which I think is a magnificent fish. It's a much underrated fish. I think, you know, hake for many years has had a bad rap because everyone always thinks of hake and they think of fish fingers and they think of frozen fish fillets. And but fresh hake is a is a, is a magnificent fish. You know, um, the Spanish the Spanish have gone to war over you know over fresh hake stocks. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a it's a, it's amazing that it's a, a fresh fish that's sort of and a prized fish all over the world, but South Africans seem to turn their nose up on at hate for some strange reason. And then I think it's probably the most prominent of the of the fish that's used in 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 in, in, in modern day fish and chip shop, particularly in South Africa. I did a roundup. So I thought, let's have a look at in the sort of Cape in, in our area, the Cape catchment area, the best fish and chip shops. Ooh. And um, um, the, the the ones that stand out in in, in Cape Town. Uh, I'm actually in my neck of the woods, Fish on the Rocks, oh. which is a fantastic spot. Probably, I would say, the most picturesque um, fish and chip. Uh, not the picture, the, the, sh- the shop itself is not very picturesque. It's a very loud and gaudy looking uh, uh, temple to fish, but it's on, it's literally on the sea. It's in that Hart Bay Harbour, and it really is the most beautiful place to go and sit and eat fish and chips. Anything there is, you have to guard your fish and chips from the seagulls. seagulls I was about to say. <laughs> and eating it for themselves. But um, but um, but Fish on the Rocks is a fantastic one in, in Hout Bay. Then you've got uh, Colkies in in, uh, in Cork Bay is fantastic. Uh, Salty Dog in uh, in Simons is another one of, uh, in Simon Town is another one of my favorites. Um, and then if you go into town, one of the best ones is actually in Woodstock, on Main Road Woodstock, Altona Fisheries. Still one of those giant behemoth kind of um fish cauldrons for want of a better word those big mental cabinets with the with the lift up drawers where they just drop this massive fish in and big shovelfuls of chips it really is a, i just love going there just to watch them cook it you know? <laughs> and then further obviously there's a couple out in in, in your neck of the woods mm. in somerset west and but the one that springs to mind is is Mike's in Somerset West. Yes. And the other one, which is my particular favourite, in Gordon's Bay. And whenever we head up the end to either, especially on the way back, if we've been away for the weekend, stopping at Wiskus yeah. Fisheries in, in Gordon's Bay yeah. and getting that massive pile of that's 
that's like the best putt course when you're you know there's always that kind of anti-climactic uh, return from a weekend away or holiday you know it's always that bummer of a sun late sunday evening and you've had this glorious weekend and all you know to have to look forward to is getting up and going to work on monday morning and it kind of as that fan that sort of fabulous weekend kind of fizzles into the memory stopping at whiskers and getting a big thing of haken chips with tartar sauce and some oh. pickles just helps to extend that beautiful weekend away. So mm. it's always a, 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 a stop on our road trips is, is Whiskers. It's when we first moved here. <laughs> fab place. Uh, uh, there's a fab place that's popped up of, of a kind of someone doing a, a just, just over the weekend, something interesting in your neck of the woods. Yeah, and I, I can't think of the name, which is terrible. So if anybody knows about the place I'm speaking about in Somerset West, please help me out. But uh, yeah, and the, the polystyrene container just bulges with all the chips and the, the the fish and things like that. And the batter is just wonderful. The batter is quite an interesting part of the whole fish and chips thing. Yeah, look, so there's, there's, a, there's I mean, you know, if you go through the internet and you go through it, there are as many... Uh, there are as many uh, fish batter recipes as there are days of the year. Yeah. You know, and there are all sorts of debates about how is it, should it be light and crisp? Should it be thick and heavy? Should it be bready? You know, I really think that, you know, everyone has their own personal favorite. Mm -hmm. For me personally, I like a lighter batter as possible. Mm -hmm. Not like a tempura kind of batter, but I, mm -hmm. I don't like those thick bready ones because they have a tendency to soak up the oil and they become like an oil sponge mm. um uh, for me i like using beer um in um in a, beer, a good beer batter mm -hmm. that just helps to keep the batter a little bit lighter mm. but for me the trick the trick is using uh either baking powder or, or bicarb ah. Bi bicarbonate that's the that's the secret if you're just going to do a standard flour and water kind of batter it's very, very important to get a, a teaspoon of, of bicarb in there. That helps to crisp it up and also helps to keep it light. Um, and the thing that people always seem to forget is that if you take a fillet of fish and you dip it in batter, it never sticks. You have to dredge it with flour first. There's, there's no way around it. Because the problem is, this fish, by its nature, is not oily, but it's it's quite watery. So so batter doesn't stick to it naturally. So you have to dip it and and pat it down in some flour if you want to get proper cohesion for your batter. That's secret number one of, of this. Yeah. But for me, obviously, the people who, who who don't who can't use beer, but beer, and if you're going to use beer, and also the same if you're going to make um, just without beer, make sure that your water is ice cold. Um, ideally, you should make batter and use it immediately. And the crisper the batter, the, the colder the batter, the crisper it comes up in the front. So that's delicious. a little a little trick that, that I've learned along the ways. You know, even if you make it in advance, put your bowl of batter in the fridge till you need it. The colder the batter, the crisper it comes up in the in in the, in the oil. That's a really good tip. Now, Strand is putting its hand up here because we mentioned Gordon's Bay and Somerset West, and uh, I've been told here by Henny. Thank you so much. There's a place called Oceana in Strand, also great fish and chips. So. Uh, Yes, that was also my list. Very, very cool place. Very, very fabulous. Now, I have yeah. to ask. Yeah. It's because South Africa. I mean, I, 
if I think of of, of public holidays and over Christmas and that kind of stuff, that what what the Halt Bay Harbour looks like. I mean, there you've got fish on the rocks, you've got snookies, and you've got mariners. Also, you've got three fish and chip, very good, and uh, fish for after four very good fish and chip places, all in the Halt Bay. It is packed. The queues. If you go uh, Boxing Day or New Year's Day to Halt Bay Harbour over the summer, there are you must you queue for hours for, for ages. Just and that's four places in one harbour, mm-hmm. and you still have to queue to get your fish and chips. It's, it certainly is down here in the Cape, uh, a, um, a kind of a prize day out for the family. I mean, look, I have in-laws um, inland, and the first thing they do when they come down here is we've got to go and have fish and chips. It's like a you come seaside, you've got to have fish and chips. So I, you know, I'm a fan of, I love it. I'm a, a huge fan. Of course, okay. So now, if you're going to do this, term, the other secret, and and this is is get, is getting the chips right. So I was about to ask. Um, what we, I love the chips as well. So I want to hear about the chips, and I want to hear. Okay. About if you're putting beer in the batter, what are you going to drink with your fish and chips? <laughs> For me, the best the best drink with fish and chips is from a wine perspective. You want something because it's quite rich and it's quite quite fatty. You want something clean and crisp like a Sauvignon Blanc. Mm-hmm. That for me is, is probably the best pairing with, with fish with fish and chips. Something nice and acidic and clean and crisp because you've got this kind of big mound of deep fried loveliness in front of you and a nice, lots of um, uh, vinegar and salt. You need you need some acidity in, in a glass. Look, there's nothing wrong with a nice ice cold lager, yeah. but for me, the better the better, the better better pairing is, is definitely mm-hmm. Sauvignon Blanc. Interesting thing about um, the uh, salt and vinegar is is is, uh, is just lemon, for example. Basically, the reason lemon is put on fish, and now is it's like an anathema to ever have fish without lemon. Mm. Traditionally, where the fish came from, it was believed that the acid from lemon juice uh, dissolved fish bones. Oh. So people put lemon on their fish so that it would you would, your fish bones wouldn't get stuck in your throat. The lemon juice would dissolve the fish bones. That's where the pairing of lemon and fish first came, came from. Interesting. That is very but interesting. But that's oh. The secret to good, you're going to do this at home is you have to cook them twice. Um, all restaurants do it and all the fisheries do it. And there's a, there's a, there's a simple science behind it. Um, and you, you'll have done this. Everyone who makes chips at home is always laments why the chips never come out like they do in the restaurant. It's because of the double cooking. And the, the science behind it is, is that if you take a chip that's raw and you put it into 180-degree oil, it's going to it's going to start browning before it cooks. So you'll get crisp chips that aren't that soft, mashy kind of. Um, that's because by the time the chips has crisped up on the outside, it hasn't cooked all the way through. So the secret to good chips is you need to control the temperature. You need to turn it down to about. Um, or, or measure if you can, or, or just not have it on full blast. You want it at about 130 degrees mm-hmm. when you originally cook the chips. And what you're doing is what we call blanching the chips. You're literally poaching them in oil. You can, if you're worried about the amount of it, you can actually do it in water. Mm-hmm. You can actually drop your chips into some boiling water. Then you want them just so they're cooked. So blanched chips, you should be able to eat them. They're not very pleasant to eat because mm-hmm. they're, they're either boiled in water or boiled in oil. So they're not great, but they are cooked. Then, when time comes to finish the chips off, you crank it up to as hot as it'll be, usually 180, 80, 185 degrees. Then when you drop those pre-cooked chips in there, they crisp up really, really quickly. Mm. So you get that, you get the best of both worlds. You get that lovely golden brown crunch, but they're all nice and soft and mushy on the inside. So cooking of the chips twice is imperative to get it 
just right. That sounds absolutely wonderful. And uh, of course, I'm not even going to ask you about air frying chips, but we'll talk. That's a conversation for another time. <laughs> Considering. <laughs> say, say that again. It kind of cancelled out there. But air fryer is a is a conversation, a whole other conversation for another day. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I'm yet, I don't actually have one. So I, I people keep telling me how they're enamored by air fryers that's changed their lives. So I'm not really in a position to to pass comment. I don't have one. I must get one one day so I can either be a, a new disciple or, or stick it on the shelf in the garage with the, a whole myriad of, <laughs> of gadgets that I've either given or bought that I go, okay, wow. Never going to use that again. Yeah. So we feel I pulled out my judgment on air fryers. Fantastic! I've loved this conversation today. I know that fish and chips is a big one in my family as well. And uh, Peter, thank you so much for this morning. And we'll chat again next Friday. I've got a suggestion for next Friday, but I'm going to speak to you. Excellent. We'll speak off air, and uh, I'll I'll make that suggestion. So uh, thank you so much, and uh, yeah, we'll see you next Friday again. Till then, may the sauce be with you. 